My biggest accomplishment as a man was acknowledging what I was doing wrong in the world around me with chaos. Not pointing a finger at nobody but myself for not taking control of my destiny. I see people all around the world saying where they want to be, asking why they ain't there yet. And it's two reasons to me every time. Either you haven't fully committed yourself the way you want to be, or your time just ain't coming. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Prime Time Podcast. You're on with the host, the one and only Titus J. Cleveland. If you guys was wondering who was that giving you guys some juicy, juicy motivation right there, that was rapper Chicago native G Herbo, who was just keeping it real with everybody, man. Just saying, yo, um, there's two reasons why people don't be or not successful in life and it's these two reasons and it hit me too because it's like listen look most people think they're working okay most people to they like to showboat and you know put it on instagram and make it seem like they're working like they're grinding but you know most people they're just doing it for show they're trying to get the attention to make it seem like oh look at me i'm working hard and on the real and you actually go and meet with them in person you realize they just BS and they're not really showing, they're not really doing what they're showing. Okay. Like I always say, actions speak louder than words. So you really got to apply yourself and literally, like I said before, my last motivation, you got to really just put your head down and just grind and just continue until you don't even look for nobody to, to give up, to uh, show um, appreciation or approval, just grind until you, to, you know, it's like, yo, you're going to work until you can't work no more and then ultimately you know at that very moment that's when someone comes around and stumbles upon you and f- sees how great you are and wants to you know um expose your greatness and just share your greatness with the world so always just keep grinding always um you know apply yourself uh a hundred percent because you never know when that one person or, or that one possibility or that one opportunity will present itself or also you know that as well, it's just not your time. God, like he said, it's not your time. God hasn't put you in that moment, but that doesn't mean you stop working. That doesn't mean you stop going after what you had set out before. Just know that it's a process. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And God hasn't, you know, it's in God's story or in God's, um, you know, story for you, for your exact, for your personal story, God hasn't, you know, put you in that uh, predicament to be successful or for you to grow and for you to shine. But that doesn't mean you stop growing. That mean not growing. That doesn't mean you stop grinding. You continue and you, uh, you know, just enjoy it every single day. And the, if you enjoy it, if you enjoy what you're doing every single day, you'll, you wouldn't even consider or you even think about the fact that you're, you're not getting appreciated, not getting approved because you're just loving what you're doing. And that's, that's really what it is for today, man. That's, that's the motivational speak or speech from me and G Herbo. We're going to get right into it. Yes, it is official. Tom Brady is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Okay, Tom Brady signed the contract today, man. He signed the contract today and went on Instagram and posted a, you know, it's a little, um, it's a welcome, you know, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan base. Just him saying excited, humble, and hungry. If there's one thing I've learned about football, it's that nobody cares what you did last year or the year before that. That is 100 percent true. Uh, You must earn the trust and respect of those around you, your commitment every single day. I'm starting a new football journey and thankful for the Buccaneers for giving me an opportunity to do what I love to do. I look forward to meeting all my new teammates and coaches and proving to them that they can believe and trust in me. 
I have always believed that well done is better than well said. So I'm not going to say much more. I'm just going to get to work. Year one. <laughs> wow, man. Um, In other words, Tom Brady's coming for that, that, that ring number seven. Okay. Tom Brady's coming for the chip. Tom Brady's coming for the Super Bowl. And Tom Brady's coming for Bill Belichick. Hey, um, he didn't say that in this post, but um, if you were to peel back, you know, the the you know peel back the line you know you just go deeper into it dive deeper you can see or you know you can comprehend or assume that uh tom brady is talking about bill belichick and the fact that or as well as bill belichick all the naysayers and non-believers who said that tom brady's washed up max kellerman or has has uh, uh father time has come and you know caught up to him just all those people so He's definitely has a vengeance. He has a chip on his shoulder. And that's the last thing you want from a guy who's been to nine Super Bowl appearances, has won six of them, arguably the greatest player, greatest football player, um, greatest football quarterback in the NFL. That's the last thing you want to do is give a guy, give him a chip on his shoulder, a reason why he needs to go out there and prove to you guys again why he's such great and, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal that he is um that's the last thing you guys want to do i don't think you guys want to get tom brady upset me from experience i've been one of those people who've bet against tom brady when it has count the most and i have paid the price <laughs> tremendously have paid the price and big and big bets so um him this post of just me just reading this is definitely something that you know just makes you wonder what the hell does tom brady have planned um for this upcoming season okay he later on, well, not he later on, Adam Schefter, the NFL insider later on, had just went in depth into his contract and saying that he ultimately signed a two-year uh, contract where $50 million of that contract is guaranteed. Um, he also, they also included the fact that he's also getting a $9 million uh, deal included, included into that um, off of incentives over the next two years. And also he does not have a trade clause or a franchise tag uh, uh, connected to his contract. One of the interesting things about this contract, though, is that it it allows Brady to ultimately play until the year that he said that he wanted to retire. And that is age 45. Um, Tom Brady's contract with Tampa, you know, um, it, it gives him a two year window where he can ultimately, like I said, he's not franchise tagged and he does not have, you know, um, a trade clause into his contract so he could ultimately leave up and leave or when these two years is over he can literally just decide if he wants to play continue his one last year in tampa or ultimately just go somewhere else if he decides to but he is um has his eyes set on playing at the age of 45 but ultimately you can see how immediately as soon as tom brady had went to um went to the tampa bay buccaneers you saw players of and free agents and former players who are out of the league right now immediately sending emails and, and messages to the Buccaneers office and just saying, listen, look, if Tom Brady's going to be there, add me to the roster. I want I want to be a part of this. And it just shows you how great this man is and the respect that he has, you know, gained over the past 20 years from all these different players, man. Some of these players are great superstars in their own way. And the fact that you ultimately just want to go play with Tom Brady and could possibly be some of his down years that shows. And that speaks to how the level of respect they have for Tom Brady and know how great he is. 
we've heard speculations of the fact that Antonio Brown wants to, or not Antonio Brown wants to. We've put the um, you know, the possibility, and I say we, I mean as fans and the media have put the possibility of, you know, Tom Brady and Antonio Brown reconnecting down there in Tampa Bay. Ultimately, when I heard that, I thought it could happen. It could happen. Um, Tom Brady had said that he didn't say, but uh you've seen when A B had departed from uh, New England, Tom Brady wasn't as you know, um, like I say, he he wasn't he was happy to have him, as well as you know, also sad to see him go as well because you knew once A B left, Tom Brady had no weapons to throw the ball to. So the presence of an Antonio Brown was was very important to Tom Brady, um, and the fact that he could have possibly had him in, in Tampa Bay which could have been something special for, for this year. But ultimately Tampa Bay um, uh, owners said that they do not plan on, you know, going in the route of Antonio Brown just because they're not trying to deal with the diva side of him and, you know, and all the uh, media issues that's going to spark up, especially if he does come down here, you got it. And when you heard that, you, you really had to think about it. The fact that it's Tom Brady, Okay, a storyline, Tom Brady going from a franchise who he's been with for 20 years, going to a new franchise in Tampa, and then you're going to bring in an Antonio Brown situation where he's going to be asked questions about his mental health and, you know, how can he uh, conduct himself on the field. So that would just bring um, a lot of as much as it would bring positive, uh, you know, exposure, it would also bring a lot of negative exposure from Antonio Brown's side. Um, And that's something that, you know, that you are in a positive situation right now. You just acquired Tom Brady. You don't want to add, you know, negative, you know, uh, ingredients into the pot. So ultimately, I agree with uh, Bucks Buccaneers owner about not going into that route. I really uh think this is something that Tom Brady, if he had wanted uh, Antonio Brown, he would have said it. I believe he would have said it when he was a free agent going through the free agent process. He would have made that number one, uh, number one uh, option. I want Antonio Brown with me or you need to acquire or sign Antonio Brown as a, uh, uh, you know, a skill piece for me so I can use him this season. If if this is something that Tom Brady had stated, then ultimately I know the Buccaneers would have went out and made that happen. But the fact that Tom Brady and Buccaneers owner are saying that Antonio Brown may not is not is not a you know a potential piece that will be added to the to the uh, roster, then that shows that Tom Brady is not um, you know eager to have Antonio Brown. I'm not saying he doesn't like Antonio Brown. I'm just saying that he he's not needed. Um, in Tom Brady's eyes, okay. So if if you're the owner, if you're the GM, and Tom Brady doesn't need Antonio Brown, I mean, I mean, as an owner, you would insist of him having him there. But if Tom Brady doesn't request him, then ultimately, why don't we don't need to go out and pursue him? So I can see, uh, you know, the um the Bucks ownership uh taking heat for that, or you know, getting criticized for not even attempting to go out and uh pursue Antonio Brown, but I don't I don't think I don't think the Bucs need Antonio Brown to be successful this season. I think the players that they have right now are good enough. You got Chris Goodwin, you got Mike Evans, your two wide receivers who played great. Not they played great last year, okay. Ultimately didn't didn't really hear about him because you know they were they were bounced out of the playoffs, didn't make the playoffs. 
wasn't really talked about as much. You know, you you talked about uh, Jameis Winston going 30 for 30, but ultimately that that's just that's just god awful. The fact that you get 30 touchdowns and it's like, damn, I gave the 30 touchdowns away for giving up 30 interceptions. So you didn't you didn't you didn't really help your team out. But the fact that now you get to, you know, play in Tom Brady, a guy who's been to nine Super Bowl, you know, Super Bowls and has won six of them, who has the experience of that men of that, you know, that um environment bringing him into Tampa Bay and you just keep your keeping your two, you know, uh excellent receivers and Chris Goodwin and Mike Evans. I think that that's that's some pieces that Tom Brady could have used in Foxborough. So uh the fact that now he's in Tom, he's in Tampa Bay, has great weather, okay, has a good coach, has a great defensive system in top bowls. The fact that Chris Goodwin is coming off his best year, okay, had 86 receptions, uh had over 27 had 27, my my apologies, 2,700 receiving yards and had a total of 17 touchdowns for the year. So he's actually he's looking coming into this season, looking to vamp up his performance from last year, and, you know, just add to that. And of course, if you have Tom Brady at your quarterback position. He's definitely going to find you give you the ball if you just go out there and do what you have to do on your end. As well, another wide receiver, Mike Evans, had a solid year last year, had 67 receptions, had over. 1100 yards in receiving uh receiving yards had a total of eight touchdowns we usually see him go a little bit higher going to double digits for touchdowns but like i said he had a solid year not a great year but a solid year especially adding tom brady to that his numbers will improve i think traumatic uh, uh traumatically the only issue my only issue with this tampa bay buccaneers uh offense is their running game i feel like their running game is a is very weak um you have certain, you have, you know, Peyton Barber, who was there last year, didn't really play great, um, struggled last season, only averaging about 3.6 yards per carry. Um, not my, my, my apologies, 3.1 yards per carry, only ran for 470 yards uh, with six touchdowns for the entire year, played every game of last season. So that right there shows that this, this, this running game is very weak and needs help. Um, hopefully that some of these guys who, have reached out to the Buccaneers wanting to play with Tom Brady and join up with Tom Brady. Hopefully some of these guys are running backs because Tom Brady could definitely use. I'm not saying he needs to have a great running back like the likes of a you know, Christian McCaffrey or uh, Saquon, Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott, but just some 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 type of, you know, running game where he's not dependent. Uh, the team's not dependent on Tom Brady to throw the ball or to make a play on every single possession. So if they get that, then the Buccaneers have 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 uh, a team, okay, have something to work with to push them into the postseason, into playoff contention. And ultimately, once they get into playoff contention, I'm just going to let Tom Brady do what Tom Brady does best and ultimately take them to the promised land. This would be the, a very important year or interesting year for the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. The Super Bowl will be in Tampa this year. So ultimately, if Tom Brady, okay, a guy who's 40 plus years of age, coming from a team where he spent 20 years in one in one organization, one franchise, going over to a new system, a new team, a new playbook, a new system, not knowing anything, to have that much pressure on you and to ultimately bring your team, a team that's being played in your city, the Super Bowl is being played in your city. You bring that, you ultimately bring that team to the Super Bowl, and at the age of 40 plus years. I want to say 43. Um, that 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 right there would solidify his greatness. I that would to me put him as the greatest NFL player of all times. The fact that you can do that in this stage where he's at speaks 
speaks greatness and it's, it's, it's that's a whole different level of greatness that you will be speaking to according to what i just said like we don't you don't know how hard that would be literally to be with a franchise who you've whose playbook you've studied for 20 plus years for 20 years okay you you just off you just jump ship go into a new franchise a new playbook a new system you ultimately learn that playbook and get your team and carry your team i don't want carry your team into the Super Bowl, okay? We know that Tom Brady is capable of doing it. It's just a matter of if he gets that one piece of who I said, that running game. If they can just improve on that running game, the Buccaneers have a shot at going very far into the Super Bowl because, like I said, you're not playing Patrick Mahomes. You're not playing Lamar Jackson. You're not playing that elite style of play in the AFC. So you ultimately have a shot. You have a puncher's chance, especially if you have Tom Brady. You have more than a puncher's chance with Tom Brady. So I'm I'm really excited to see how this season, uh, or whenever this season begins, I, I'm I'm wanting I'm waiting to see and I'm eager to see how Tom Brady does in his first game. And if we if we get a spectacular game in game one, then I think he's answered all our questions for the season, and we'll just be waiting to see him in Tampa. Come Super Bowl, Super Bowl weekend. That's my predictions for that. I'll be right back to talk about the possibilities of Cam Newton being a top potential candidate for the next uh, quarterback job in Foxborough with Bill Belichick. I'll be on in a couple of minutes. What's up, y'all? We back. We're back. You're on with the host, one and only Titus J. Cleveland. Let's get right back into it. So New England is still trying to find a quarterback to replace the greatest quarterback in NFL history. It's a lot. It's big shoes to fill, um, but no pressure, no pressure at all. Um, the potential choices for the New England Patriots at quarterback is their rook is their quarterback that they have right now. Uh, uh, I want to get his name right, Jared Stidham, and then also next would be Cam Newton. Cam Newton is possibly the biggest uh, potential to land with the New England Patriots. Cam Newton, man, okay. Is 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 getting very is getting disrespected in the sense that he's fell off, and I and I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair at all because we don't know what Cam Newton is going to be like next this upcoming year. We don't know. You got to realize, okay, he got hurt, and I believe it was a second week. I believe it was a second week of the season. Okay, so he didn't really get to play all 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 last year. So okay, let's see what he's going to do this upcoming season whenever he gets signed to a team but as well as that I want to talk about the fact that people say that he's fell off and you know he's not going to be great with the next team that he goes to ladies and gentlemen Cam Newton has been in this league for nine seasons all right in these nine seasons Cam Cam Newton has never missed more than two games in a season okay so that means he's very durable besides this one year that he's missed Cam Newton, you can rely on. You can trust him to play on Sunday, on Monday, okay? He's never finished under 50% in pass completions, okay? So you know that he can he can complete, he can get the passes to the, to the wide receivers. He can get the passes to the tight ends, okay? It may be a little slow. It may not be quick, but he can get the ball out of his hands. In these nine seasons as well, he has thrown for over 3,000 yards in these nine seasons. This That speaks a lot coming from a guy who's known to be a running quarterback. But someone who's 
is more, you know, lethal and more scary with his legs. The fact that he's thrown for 3,000, 3,000 plus yards in nine seasons while he's been there with the Carolina Panthers, that speaks improvement. That speaks that he can, you know, he's willing to learn and he's willing to work hard to get better at what he needs to do. And then finally, a total of 182 touchdowns in the past nine seasons. Like I said, he's a running quarterback, came into the league as a running quarterback. The fact that he comes in now where he's at, with 182 touchdowns over nine years, that I mean, that, that, that's that's kind of impressive. You got to look at that in some way. Also, as well, um, he hasn't really, you know, been given the best, you know, team around him. He hasn't been supported with the best team. Um, unfortunately, he got they get Christian McCaffrey, you know, the past two years, and he, now he's starting to show. And like, damn, where was he? Where was he at when I was doing all this running for us? Okay, like, if just imagine if Cam Newton had that running game six years ago, like we we don't know how big t- Cam Newton could have gotten, or how many times he could have pushed him, pushed his team to a Super Bowl. Like I said, he went there last. I believe it was in 2015 when he had clinched the Super Bowl. Ultimately, had lost to the Denver Broncos, and that's when I believe he had hit a cliff and went down. But uh, Cam Newton, personally, okay, I can say that this guy is someone who's going to be very motivated, who has a chip on his shoulder, who's always had a chip on his shoulder, and just wants to get better and is not afraid and will go above, above and beyond to be successful and to ultimately get back on the field. So when you say, oh, him with Bill Belichick or him, you know, him has he has an issue of releasing the ball, of getting the ball out of his hands a little bit uh quicker, or he doesn't make smart decision making at the at the line of scrimmage. Okay, now you you put him in the position to be with a great coach, a great coach who's been to nine Super Bowls. Okay, a great coach who has coached one of the greatest quarterback in NFL history. You give him that coach, and you say, listen, you do everything else great. The only thing is you got to get ball, you got to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker and be more smarter at the line of scrimmage. You teach him, you give him that coach to teach him and to, you know, instill the the mentality of winning and the in the culture of winning. I guarantee you Cam Newton will be well, thanks to Bill Belichick if this does happen. Cam Newton could possibly be, you know, back into MVP conversations, back to the top quarterbacks in the league. Because I don't, per people, I don't feel like Cam Newton has dropped off that much. I only say personally, this injury, you know, has, you know, exaggerated his level of play. But um, let Tom, let let Cam Newton get get healthy. Let Cam Newton be with a, you know, a um coach who knows how to win and can put him in a position to win. And let and let's see what Cam Newton does. Because I can print, I can guarantee you, Cam Newton is, in my opinion, a top ten quarterback in the league when healthy. Especially if you put him in a position to be successful with a good coach, we don't know how far to, uh, Cam Newton can go. So all this talk that we say Tom Brady could, you know, could get the get get to the Super Bowl first before Bill Belichick, we don't know. Let's see, let's see if Cam Newton is 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 the guy in Foxborough. We got to see if how they dwell together, how Cam Newton. How Bill Belichick dwell, you know, both of them have different personality uh, styles. But if they can some way find a way to, you know, put their two personalities aside and just focus on the main goal, which is football. The fact that Cam Newton has has something to prove. Bill Belichick doesn't really have nothing to prove, but would still like to, you know, you know, just rub it in people's faces saying, like, look, I'm still the greatest coach in NFL history. 
So why not put those two together, put the personalities aside and do something great in the AFC East? Okay. I mean, not in the AFC, in the AFC. So this is something that I, I will be pushing for. I would like to see Cam Newton in Foxborough with a great coach because we, the sky's the limit, man. We don't know how far Tom Brady, uh, not Tom Brady, Cam Newton can go with a coach like a Bill Belichick in his ear. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully they go with this direction in the Cam Newton direction. Like I said, even though he's, um, you know, injured right now and he, you you hear talks about him getting the ball out of his hands quicker and you know being in the smart line of scrimmage you got to realize man he's completed over 59 percent of his passes for his career this guy can make the play he can get it done it's just a matter of what coach or which coach is perfect for him and which system is perfect for him and the new england patriots in my opinion fits that to a t that's my predictions for that I'm going to be on in the next couple of minutes to talk about basketball and the fact that this season, in my my opinion, is not going to uh, pick up. We might have we might just end up canceling or, you know, ending the season where it's at. No champion crowned and just pick up from next season because um, ultimately it's been speculations that a few more teams have been uh, tested positive for the coronavirus. I will tell you guys who those teams are. When we get back. And what's up, man? We're back. We're back with the host one only Titus J. Cleveland. Let's get back into it. So yesterday, um, you had two new teams, well, three new teams come out uh saying that they had tested positive. The Lakers said they two players had tested positive for the Lakers. Marcus Smart, the Boston Celtics had tested positive. And a, you know, a member of the Denver Nuggets, we don't know if it's a player or a coach or a manager of anything of that sort, but they have been tested positive for the coronavirus. And as me just reading this and the, the news and articles just keep coming out of different players and different teams testing positive, we still don't even know about all of the teams being tested because we haven't tested all of the teams. We don't even know how severe this virus has spread. But, you know, as any, NBA fan with common sense it should tell you that uh, this season is not going to continue. This season is not going to pick up. I don't see it uh, finishing just because, like I said before, like yesterday on my last podcast, if we start this season up in two weeks or um, two months from now, we go play, we get into like two games, and then we find out that such and such another player has been tested positive for the virus. So we'd have to shut that down again and then go through the whole process again as well. So I don't even, I don't even think this season is not going to be played or finished out. We're not going to see a champion. We're not going to see a, a finals, anything like that of that nature. But we've been hearing or as well, Adam Silver, commissioner of NBA, has been saying that, you know, he's trying to push for a charity game of, you know, I guess of quarantine players to you know just you know give fans you know something to look at look forward to just to watch because like i said this this week has been very very stressful for most of us um athletes nba fans you name it it's been you know like it's only been a week and it's felt like two months already of no sports so adam silver nba commissioner has you know come up with an idea of possibly playing a charity game for you know nba fans you know just to raise money for this what's going on and this crisis that's been happening and unfolded at such a quick, you know, time. And me personally, if I had to 
when I read it, I thought of it, well, first, from the citizen side, I thought this is something that would be beneficial. This is great. Um, you build your, uh, you know, generating money to bring attention to a cause that's something that's very, you know, important and vital at this time. So if in all means, by in all means, go ahead and do it. Like, this is something that I would, you know, stand behind. But from the fans perspective, you know, from an NBA fan, a spectator, this is something that I personally did not like. I'm not going to say I didn't like, but I don't think it should be played out because, you know, for a fan, and I'm speaking for myself, for someone that watches basketball like I do, right, and for it to be shut down out the blue, you know, out of nowhere, and, you know, we're going on like about, this is our second week, but we're going like probably another week or two, we're going on a month with no sports, right? And for, you know, out of nowhere for just for Adam Silver to drop just one game of like, say we get like the all-star game again of just a charity game. There's just one game. And then after that, there's no more games until October. You feel that that's something that's going to, you know, is you just you're you're getting me amped up for and it's going to bring me back down to the fact like, damn, there's no sports again. So in that in that sense, I wouldn't even recommend us doing it because. From a fan's perspective, I wouldn't recommend us doing it because it's something that's just going to, you know, um, you know, amp us up, hype us up to then, you know, let us down again. The fact that we have nothing to watch again. But uh, if this is from the citizen standpoint of me, go by all means, go ahead, do it. You're raising money for something that's very important. It could possibly save lives. Um, but, you know, me as a fan, it's just something I, I wouldn't watch, even if it even if it was on, I wouldn't want to watch it just because. It's just going to I'm going to get so amped up, so hyped. The fact that we got sports again, we're watching basketball again. And then as soon as the game is over, we're not going to have this for like the next two more months. So if you if you guys understand where I'm coming from, you can see why I would say I wouldn't even watch this game. But I would ultimately, you know, as a citizen, I do uh, advise for people to, you know, donate if this does carry on, if this game does go on. Because like I said, this is a very crucial time for us that we're living in. And the quicker that we get over this virus, the quicker we can go back to our normal lives and go back to being outside and playing sports and going to the beach and going to the clubs. I know all of us miss that life. We don't want to be locked down, you know, in our rooms every day. So if this does go on, please, I do advise you guys to give as give any if you have just to, you know, speed up this cause and just, you know, end this uh, pandemic. And, you know, ultimately go back to our lives. Like I said, man, this is something that we all didn't expect. And hopefully this is something that can be dealt with very, very quickly. But on that note as well, me watching, you know, talking about sports and talking games, um, NBA and NBA League Pass had announced that they would be doing a free NBA League Pass. I believe it's for, I don't know how long it's for. I just know we have it at our disposal as of right now. But. They had shown the, you know, uh, the shot, you know, from that finals against the Spurs and Miami Heat. And I was watching it, of course, you know, nothing else to watch, but I was watching it and it amazed me of how, how much of LeBron's game has progressed. And I know I'm one of the guys that get on LeBron James a lot about all oh, his, his, uh, 
his clutch mentality. Can he close it out in certain games? Why doesn't he take the big shot? But if you would have, if me looking back to that game and witnessing the fact that it was times where LeBron James wasn't even thinking about taking a three. Okay, like he he wasn't even trying to take a three. Like they were given, they would like that finals was very similar to how they're treating Giannis right now. Okay, so if you guys can picture how they treat Giannis at three, that was LeBron James in the finals against the Spurs. So you can see how much of LeBron James's uh progressed since that time. And I'm saying just from his shot. The fact that we I still get on LeBron James by him not, you know, being a shot maker and taking the big shot. I got to give him his props, man. The fact that he's doing at least taking shots now. He's taking three-pointers. At least he's doing this now. Okay? So that that, that that's a lot of props that I got to give to him as well. You 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 don't really well me personally, I don't really give him props uh, um at most times, but this is something I'm definitely going to give him a shout out for. The fact that he was at a point where he didn't be, he wasn't aggressive at all behind behind the three line. And the fact that he's pulling step backs, and you know he's he's shooting from deep now, from thirty five plus feet, um, on the Lakers this year. So I got to give respect where respect is due. Um, by all means, he's definitely shown that his shooting has progressed. It's just now probably the clutch, uh, mentality of when to take over, of when to you know put the ball in his hands and just take us to the promised land, take us to the, take us to the championship. Um, I feel like he still has to work on that or he still has to, you know, get comfortable in being that type of person because he has it. Okay. LeBron James has it. It's not like this is his first year where we're all getting on LeBron James and saying, Oh, he has to be more aggressive. He has to, you know, be that leader. The reason why I get on LeBron James is because I've seen in moments LeBron James take the big shot. I've seen in past moments where LeBron James has, you know, stepped up and taken on the best defender. So my issue is the fact that why can't he do it now? Why can't he do it at this very point in his state? And people say, oh, it's because he's saving himself for the playoffs. All right, that may be, but I want to see it in the playoffs. If I don't see it in the playoffs, then what the hell will we we watching this whole regular season for? That's my issue. That's my knock on LeBron. I know LeBron can do it. I have seen him do it before. It's just my fact. It's my issue that he hasn't proven. He hasn't shown it to us when you could say the storyline is at its biggest. Okay, you you see the Kawhi Leonard storyline. This is probably one of his biggest. I don't say his rivals, but like th- this is the, this is a a important matchup. And the fact that we're not seeing it, we we like unless besides the past game that just finished. Him playing the Clippers and him winning and him taking over and being that was the first time that we had seen that in a long time. So, well, I don't want to say in a long time because he did show it when he was in the Eastern Conference. Okay, when he had went on a tear going through, you know, Indiana, going through Toronto, going through Boston, ultimately coming up short against the, the Golden State Warriors in the finals. We've seen him be that guy, okay? But who were you really facing, man? Like who 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 are you going up against? Against Indiana, Oladipo, Miles Turner. You're not really giving us nobody. Who were you going up against Toronto? Okay, yes, they were the best team at that time, but you knew you had their number every single time you played them. That's why you swept them in four games that year. So it's like you didn't really have nobody. And then Celtics was probably also your your hardest competition, your hardest um challenge that year. But it's 
the Celtics were very young. The Celtics were that was a young Jason Tatum, a young Jalen Brown, a young Mar young uh, Marcus Smart, a young Terry Rozier. Kyrie wasn't even on the bench to be to help the Celtics during that time. Okay, so it's like. Yeah, he went through this as one of the biggest times of his stage. Well, he's shown it two years ago, but who was he really showing it against? That's that's my issue. Like now he has a chance against Kawhi Leonard, okay, to show how great he is. And he's shown it. He's did it. He did it in the last game when they played each other. So all my issue is I want to see it again for a in a seven-game series against the Clippers. That's my only issue with LeBron. But like I said, he has progressed from his Miami days when he was in Miami with D Wade all the way up to now. Okay, LeBron James has become a, a better three-point shooter since his time in Miami. And I don't think he gets enough praise, especially for myself, which is why I'm even um giving my shout out, give my support for him for even improving that part of his game. So hats off to LeBron James. Hopefully you can continue this and just add that 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 clutch Kobe mentality. I'm not saying you have to be Kobe, but just show me. Uh, you know, a certain time in the game where you take over and it's just you and that other that other great player going back to back, head to head, going to begin. Just give us that moment in a seven game series. And my, my problems with LeBron James will be over. I will have no more issues with LeBron James at all whatsoever. LeBron James, in my opinion, is a top three player of all time. Um, Literally knocking on number two. Um, But it's like, I mean, me. That I well, that, I'm I'm rephrasing that. I don't mean I didn't mean to say number three. I meant to say number two of all time. I was thinking of Kobe when I was thinking about that. Um, I would personally, yes, I have Kobe behind LeBron James in that ranking. I have Jordan, LeBron, then Kobe, and then my list goes on. I'm not gonna get into that, but um, that's really my how I feel about LeBron James. He is the second greatest player in a NBA. So the fact that I'm getting on him about this one thing and the fact that he's done it in the past. I shouldn't be in the wrong at all, especially if you got the likes of Anthony Davis with you to take off some of the scoring load. You should be able to go hard and you should be able to be um, at your best in that fourth quarter. So I hope to see this in the uh, next year because we're probably not going to get it this year. Um, so I hope to see it next year. It's going to be a lot more stressful come next year, but I would like to see you, you know, show me that that closing mentality, that clutch mentality, and then my issues with LeBron James will be over. But that's my predictions for that. I'll be getting into one more segment about one of my, what one of my friends had sent me a text message just talking about this interesting topic, and I hope that you guys are interested in this topic as well because this is very interesting. We'll be right back very soon. What's up, y'all? What's up? We're back. We're back. You're on with the host one and only Titus J. Cleveland. This is the Prime Time Podcast. Oh, man. So, like I said, I had got a text message, man. I got a text message from one of my mans from Florida. And he tipped me like, it, he threw me off guard for a second. But his question was basically like, okay, most people have, you know, Curry as the second greatest point guard in NBA history. But also as well, he had also John Stockton as second all time. And point guard history. Um, and after reading it and actually thinking about it, in my opinion, I would say that Steph Curry, to me, I would say is probably, it's top three point guards of all time. 
I'm 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 saying it. I'm I'm, I'm throwing it out there. Okay. Um. Now, of order, who who goes ahead of each other? Does Stockton go before Curry or Curry goes before Stockton? I, that, I, that's a tough one. Um, these are two different players, okay, who literally played in two different eras, okay? Stockton played in probably the most dirtiest, um, aggressive, you know, man-raised era. And, you know, for him to be successful – and what and how he played his game, okay, and with one team, with you know the Utah Jazz being a ten-time All-Star, being a nine-time assistant assist champ, okay, a two-time steel champion, okay, eleven-time All-NBA, a five-time All-All uh, Defensive Player, and then ultimately winning you know the MVP in 1992, 93. This this is this is um something that you 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 don't I don't think will ever be touched, especially the all-time assist leader. Okay, I believe he has over, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he has over, I believe, 15,000 assists. I'll get you the right numbers right now. But um, I believe John Stockton has 15,000 plus assists in his career. Um, he's averages average about 10 assists for his career in total. Average a double-double, 13.1 points a game with 10 assists a game to go with it. Um, yeah, give me a few seconds. Like I said, I'm still looking for the... Um, his whole his uh career logs but his game for that era fit that era to a t okay we weren't shooting threes in that era three the three ball wasn't expressed like it is today so his game was mid-range and like like it was always pass inside out play inside out you throw the ball into the big you see what you got from there and you work on the outside that's how basketball was played back then and he fit that uh, that system to a T. The fact that he was able, and his partner Carbalone, that one-two punch that they had possibly was the greatest. You know, one of the greatest one-two punches in NBA history. The fact that they ultimately came up short in the finals going up against the greatest ever, Michael Jordan. What, what can you do? All right, you 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 made it all the way to the promised land. You just you just was like everybody else. They came up short against Jordan, but um. Um, the true definition of a point guard, though, um, you would you could literally or have an argument either between John Stockton or Magic Johnson as like a a a true like who is a better point guard? Like I mean, point like a point guard's job is to get others involved, to be the extension of the coach on the floor. Who did that or who fit that? to a T who was perfect in that sense. Okay. Um, like I said, you could argue either for magic Johnson or John Stockton, either or, but Steph Curry. And, and like I said, this is where he defers and he's different from these two. Curry changed the game, uh, tremendously. Okay. He changed the whole way how basketball was played. And that speaks a lot, which is why I have him in top in the top three of point guards of all time, because literally he, Basketball was a mid-range game, okay? It was a mid-range game. It was a big man game. It was a big man league, okay? You go in, you like I said, you play inside out. One man, okay, who was literally labeled as like the smallest guy, you know, on in the NBA or like the fragile, not too big enough, not big, not strong, not fast. He was the one who changed the, the, the style of NBA, just shooting the three ball. Nowadays, 
we don't even shoot mid-ranges as much, okay? Mid-range is not as um expressed or forced on players, you know, now it, like it was last the last couple of decades in the NBA. So Steph Curry in his own right is top three, okay? The second greatest, uh, I want to believe he was, if not top three in all-time three-point shooting, okay? And it's still, he has at least about five or seven years left in his um you know his nba career so we don't know how far he could you know set the tone for the all-time nba three-pointing list but ultimately if i had to choose the question the question was who is the better point guard okay who's the better point guard out of these three magic johnson john stockton and steph curry well ultimately that th- that's my list right there magic johnson john stockton and then you know, Steph Curry. I say I put Johnson at first because not only was he able to play the point guard position at six foot nine, he was able to defend and also play all five positions on the court. And the fact that the way I, he brung, he ultimately as well changed the landscape of the NBA. Okay. The fact that he made it a more, you know, a running, uh, more, you know, a fast paced run out game. Okay. Back and forth, fast break type of game. And, you know, he changed the NBA in, in that way as well as Steph Curry changed the NBA with three-pointers. So it's just, that's why I have Magic Johnson at top. Okay, and ultimately, you know, to win five NBA champions, ultimately win it your first year, your rookie year, especially when your best player goes out at the time, your best player at the time goes out and you sub in as center, you're, you're registered as a point guard. Okay, you sub in as center and you give you give that team work. So yeah, I think Magic Johnson set his, set his, um, set, himself at number one a long time ago but uh john stockton definitely the all-time leader in point and assists okay it's my definition of a point guard that would be it that's why i have steph curry number three after john stockton as well as steph curry was as well as steph curry is a point guard okay he could not pass the ball like john stockton could okay john stockton would find plays out of thin air plays that wouldn't even be made he would find he would open he would make a new play on the court just because of how how great he was and how you know how smart he was on the court okay like i said he was an extension of the coach coach off on the court so in that sense stockton would be second all time for point guards to curry's third uh, i'll put oscar robson fourth and then it's it it, it will be a toss-up between either you know um i want to say jason kidd or steve nash it th- those would be like the next two comparisons between my in my opinion um, but ultimately I'm not taking none away from Steph Curry. He has greatest. He is a three-time champion. Okay. Arguably the greatest shooter, shooter of all times in NBA history, a six-time all-star. Okay. Uh, six-time all NBA, a 2015-2016 steals champ and a 2015-16 scoring champion. So he's ultimately in his for career, his for his career average. I apologize. I don't believe he's never shot below 43% from, from three points. And I, I'm just reading, I'm looking at it right now. Yes. Steph Curry has never shot below 40% from three. Okay. He shoots 47%, damn near 48% from the field. Okay. He never shot below 43% from three point range. And he's played over 700 games in the NBA. So that speaks volume to his level of shooting and his greatness of shooting. But that, yeah, that's all for that. Like I said, my friend, he sent me this message this morning, asked me to, you know, just to simplify it. And just, uh, what would be my take on it? Uh, you know, Pierre, you got my take. Hopefully you read, you tune into the podcast to see and hear it out. Maybe you got something different. Maybe you think Steph Curry is better than John Stockton 
as of right now. I personally don't see it. If you guys also disagree with me, also please leave a comment on, I mean, not even leave a comment on my Instagram page, Primetime Podcast. I will definitely be reading them and also also will be responding to some of these uh, replies and comments. So, yeah, Steph Curry, as great as he is, he's top three um, all time at the number three spot. John Stockton is second. Magic Johnson is first. That's my prediction for that. We'll be on in the next couple of minutes. Okay, we will be doing two sport trivia questions. We'll be going live on Primetime Podcast. So if you guys are on Instagram Live, okay, if you guys are on social media, okay, tune in to Primetime Podcast. I will be going on in the next couple of minutes, okay? Um, like I said, I'll be doing two $5 questions, sport tribute questions, and I will cash app you the winners, those $5. Like I said, I'm going in the next about five minutes. I'll be going on, um, tune in and hopefully see if you guys win something. And man, that's a wrap. That's a wrap for today's podcast. This is episode five. Okay. We had a great podcast today, this Friday, lovely Friday morning. Uh, like I said, always stay safe. Be smart about these decisions that you're making. Practice social distancing. And you will be on with me very soon for episode six. I'm your host, Titus J. Cleveland. And I'll see you guys very soon.